Bless you in the name of the Lord. I want to encourage you that God is so amazing that none of you are here by accident. Yeah? There's a destiny and a purpose in you being here this morning. The fact you're able to be here, get here, the fact you purposed in your heart or, I don't know, maybe you're here by accident, but it's no accident. The Lord wants to speak a word to you this morning, and I'm excited about that and all that God is doing. The message today is entitled God's Mandate for 2019. I know that's a bold statement for a human being to say, I know God's mandate. But I'm going to lay it out for you, and you can judge in your own spirit what God's saying to you. Your knower will know whether God's speaking the truth to you today. And of course, we love to be able to say, look at your Bibles. It needs to line up with the Bible. God's never, his will never opposes his word. They're always in unity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this morning, as we speak boldly the Word of the Lord to you, we want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is this really you speaking to our hearts, God? And I believe he'll give you a witness, and it'll be biblical. Turn with me this morning to Isaiah 54. Many of you know Susie and I's um, personal story. By the way, Susie had a little um, relapse on being sick, and so she just doesn't want to give anybody what she has. She usually shares the Lord with you, but that's where it stops. And uh, so, all right. So we just keep her in your prayers. She's doing better, and she's recovering, but uh, it hit her pretty hard. In Isaiah 54... This is a scripture that Susie and I have avoided over the years because it speaks of barrenness. And uh, I know we're not alone in that. Uh, the Bible many times chronicles stories about the barren woman and uh, speaks to it. So Susie and I, it's been a place in our heart, it was very difficult for us to read scriptures like this. But God has once again driven us I say us because she knows what I'm speaking about this morning. He has driven us to this scripture again. And we're going to read it in the Lord, knowing that he can redeem this scripture in a way that is a blessing to all of us. It's Isaiah 54, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading out of the Message Bible. Sing, barren woman who has never had a baby. And boy, did I love the praise this morning. That was awesome. Thank you, worship team. Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth, you're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over this word in a special way that it'll touch your heart and your spirit. Heavenly Father, we know that this word is to us collectively as a people, but Father, just like your character, every person counts. Every person in this room is dear and near to your heart, Father. You know how many hairs they have on their head. They're wonderfully and marvelously made. You fashioned them even in their mother's womb. Father, everyone in this building. So, Father, you are not going to speak a word that's over our heads or beyond us or only applicable to others. Father, right now, we ask faith to rise up in every heart that you're going to speak a word personally and collectively to us today. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may need me seated. So,
Susie and I were married uh, for two years before we found out we couldn't have kids, and uh, we began to research, go to doctors, and, and virtually it was impossible for us to have kids. It was in the 80s, we uh, looked into adoption, every door just shut. I mean, I was a pastor, I spoke at youth groups, I was a teacher, I've had over 10,000 students in that group, somebody's going to get pregnant, want to give away a baby, you would think. And, uh, but it never happened, and we were baffled by it, and of course, we serve a God big enough to go like this, and we'd have a baby. And many of you in life have struggled with those impossible things and it didn't come and you knew God could do it. And God just began to deal with our hearts and uh, minister to us and it's hidden in God. It's, it's the same question you're going to ask when you get to heaven and say, now where did that one sock go that I lost, you know? You're not laughing like, oh, okay, God, <laughs> I don't want to get too heavy today on that subject because... God has been marvelous to us. Now, I'm reminded of this story. One of the stories in the Bible is of a man named Elkanah. He had two wives, and one of them was Hannah. And you know the story of Samuel. In your Bible, there's a first and second Samuel, a book of Samuel. Well, Hannah couldn't have babies, and, and Elkanah would, would say to Hannah, why, why are you weeping? Why are you so downcast? Why don't you eat? Do you not know I'm better than ten sons? That line never worked on Susie. <laughs> never worked on. There's no consolation in that for a gal. But this set of scriptures is God speaking in the spirit saying, he doesn't want barrenness of his wife. We're the bride of Christ. And the same woeful feeling that comes over ladies when you can't have babies I believe it's from the heart of God that he wants to have children. This whole scripture, yes, it looks like it's about land. It's about expanding. And churches read this, and we've read it even with building expansions. But the reality is there's no reason to expand your tent or your dwelling if you don't have a growing family. This scripture is about the heart of God wanting his people to birth spiritual children. We've avoided this scripture in the natural, but in the spirit, God was asking us to begin to pray that he would expand. So God's asking us today as a people of God that we would begin to pray that he would expand the borders of our territory and that this wasn't all about the building program. This is about God's heart for people. And as much as Susie and I are grieved by our barrenness or have been in the past that's been in our life, we feel God's heart grieving today when there are not new Christian babies being born into the kingdom of God. And when he asks us to do something, this year he's asking us to do it before things begin to happen even. Begin to pray. Begin to cry out, church of God, for God to birth Christian babies in our midst in 2019. This is a mandate of the Lord. This is a prophetic word of the Lord. That let's make the heart of God happy by birthing children into Jesus. Verse 2 says, clear lots of ground. For your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Everybody say, think big. Think big. Do you believe God is speaking to your heart for this year to begin to think big? To reject small thinking. To reject smallness of thinking. To begin to spread out. As a church, God is asking us to reject smallness. He's calling us to get out of our small boxes and out of our small routines. He's calling us to stop doing things simply because we've always done something a certain way. God's vision for this church is to not only be healthy, but to be healthy and growing. And we can't be afraid of the changes that are going to come because of growth. 
By the way, a teeny spoiler alert, when I get done with this prophetic, a penny's going to drop. I really believe that in your hearts. So just get ready as you hear the word of the Lord today. God is reminding us that Legacy Church is not only about those who are sitting here this morning, but we have a destiny to fulfill God's heart. For all of those babies of our Savior yet to be born. Psalm 102, 18 says, so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. We've had a marvelous Christmas season in our family. Another little baby was born on Christmas Day. And like God, yay God, I mean, but babies everywhere. Isn't this awesome? We, we, we go out into our crowd and you ladies, we're having babies everywhere. It's just awesome. I mean, God's even doing bonus things like, Little dog Millie had eight puppies on Christmas Day. <laughs> Susie and I are in a discussion as how many of these little baby puppies are we going to buy? <laughs> 1500 bucks a piece, but that'll make you a deal. All right, anyway, I told Tom. <laughs> They're worth it. They're worth every penny, these dogs. But birth, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? And God is wanting us to think big and to think forward and what it'll feel like when those yet unborn are standing in here and singing the praises of God. Wow. God's heart is also focused on those people who don't yet know Jesus. And we are missing the heartbeat of our Father if we never touch people outside of these four walls. This is God's mandate. This is God's prophetic word to us again in 2019. God is calling us to reject smallness and to think big. During the course of this last year, I was praying, and, and God has given us a strategy, and there's a strategy in the kingdom that God's laying into the hearts of pastors and leaders, and that is don't look at your church at the size it is, but prepare your church for the size it's going to be. That if you prepare for 300, you'll be ready when 300 come. It, it's kind of like, ladies, if you were having quintuplets, wouldn't you want to know a little ahead of time? Yeah? yeah? Dads, wouldn't you want to know you're having quintuplets instead of just one? Because you would do something, you would begin to prepare your house differently, knowing what's coming. If you say, well, I'll wait till the babies get here, and then we'll prepare. Too late, Yes? Okay, enough mature people out there go, yes, be forward thinking on that. Yes. Prepare for what's coming. Well, in the kingdom, it's been a mystery many times. Is your church going to grow? Are we going to hit revival? But the Lord has been speaking to us. People are coming whether we're ready or not. People are coming to the Lord whether we're ready or not. I, I believe the Lord is saying, he can speak prophetically, you know, and let us know we're having quintuplets. And so I was praying, God, prepare us for 300 people. That was in my heart and my mind. I was praying one day in the church, and I was walking and praying, and I'm saying, God, give us wisdom. Help us to prepare for this, God. How do we prepare for this? We've, we've never been that big during my pastorship. I need wisdom, God. And I was right here, and I said, Father, help us to prepare for 3,000. And I stopped because that wasn't the number in my head. I literally was seeing 300, getting ready to say 300, and out of my mouth came 3,000. It stopped me dead in my tracks right there. And now I'm in a, okay, did I say that? I wasn't going to say that. I had no intent. Why did that come out of my mouth? And God began to deal with my heart. And I began to see, I began to pray and say, God, what is it? And, and, and I begin to hear the Lord say, I want your mind on my mind, Ralph. I want your heart on my heart. And I began to re realize the numbers that were in God's head compared to my head. Do you know God is aware? I mean, again, I prayed it, but, but listen to this. God knows how many hairs you have on your head. Your mom doesn't even know that. There's not a dad alive, I don't think, that's, well, maybe this is not true. In here, has any dad sat down and counted all your baby's hairs? Okay, no hands, I, but God has. He has numbers. He can handle numbers that are gigantuan. If you get into astronomy alone, you realize there are billions and billions and billions of galaxies, not just stars. 
And in every galaxy, there's a hundred billion stars. I can't comprehend that, but it's in the mind of God. He's so comfortable with 3,000 when that freaks me out. I realized God has no trouble with 3,000 because he sees all that are in the valley right now that live here. And, and he began to show me on a Monday morning rush hour traffic on the freeway. Bumper to bumper cars from Ontario, Oregon to Mountain Home, it feels like. It's not, but it feels like it, doesn't it, when you're going to work and coming and it's a. Think about every human being in every car on rush hour Monday morning on the freeway. It's mind boggling to think that God's heart and mind is on each person in that car. And that out of the 100,000 plus that live in Meridian alone, 50,000 do not attend church probably. Those people are on the heart of God. So when he says 3,000, that's a drop in the bucket for Father God. And God began to deal with my mind this way. Then he took me to the scripture where Jonathan, I preached on it last year, had an armor bearer and they were going against this huge enemy, just the two of them. And Jonathan said, let's ask of the Lord to do this. And his armor bearer says these words, Jonathan, my master, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish, for I am with you heart and soul. Now that was just crazy. Because Jonathan's getting ready to go up against, you know, thousands of other men. And his armor bearer says, do all that's in your heart. Do as you wish, for I am with you heart and soul. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord through the Holy Spirit begin to say, Ralph, are you willing to be my armor bearer? Are you willing to follow Jesus anywhere he wants to go in reaching people for the kingdom? Can you say to Jesus, Jesus, this is a Make-A-Wish Foundation. I'm a one-man Make-A-Wish Foundation. What do you wish? Can you imagine Jesus standing here and us saying, Jesus, we want you to do all that's in your heart. Do as you wish, for we are with you, heart and soul. And God began to get my mind on his mind, and I began to realize my numbers were way too small. And that we needed to prepare for 3,000 people in this house alone. They're saying 54,000. And since that time, I've learned just in the natural, 54,000 churched people are moving here in the next 10 years. Guaranteed to go to church, 54,000 people right now dropped into this valley. Are our churches big enough? And that's not even counting the evangelistic fervor that's going to come on us as a people of God for the lost who are already here and coming. When we first started our phase one building program, Kevin Abernathy, one of our elders, was we brought him on as a consultant for Pastor Ralph so Pastor Ralph wouldn't have a meltdown before every Sunday. And he took the weight of personal counselor for me. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful gig for Kevin to just, you know, for me just to blah on every week. It was wonderful. He, he had the grace. I don't know how he did it. But Kevin said in one of our elders' meetings, he said, you know that Field of Dreams movie where it says if you build it, they will come? I feel like the Lord's telling me they're coming whether we build it or not. And that was in 2013-14. Since then, we've learned they're coming whether we build it or not. What a word of the Lord that was to us as a people. But I realize God is ahead of us saying, you're going to have quintuplets. I would think about how you prepare. And this mandate to us comes out of Isaiah 54. Clear lots of ground. Hmm. For your tents, make your tents large, spread out, think big. This is God's mandate to us. Oh God, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish, for we, people of God, can you read that with me? For we are with you, heart and soul. Oh, I wonder what that feels like to our Father's heart. Can you imagine as you say that in your heart, Father? Do whatever you want, I'm with you heart and soul. What an encouragement that is in God. The second portion of this, the second part of 
Verse 2 says, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. The Spirit is warning us that as we grow, windy storms will come. There is nothing like deep, deep pegs around a tent to keep the windstorm from ripping up your tent. How many in here have been in a camping venture where your tent was affected by the wind somehow? Wished you'd had longer, deeper pegs. Uh, youth camp one year, our canopy just blew right into Rory's brand new pickup. It was, it was great that it missed mine, uh, but it blew... <laughs> The next year, I, I brought a big five-gallon buckets. We just filled them with water and held that thing down, and, and the workers got tired of carrying those buckets. So now we have screw, corkscrew tent pegs. The Lord is telling us here the reason we need to deepen our tent pegs is that he's warning us that as we grow, windy storms will come. God says in the New Testament that... They will come. It doesn't say if. It says the storms will come. So we need to be prepared in the windstorm that is coming. In that windstorm, solutions to stay safe is to drive our pegs deep. We need to be purposeful about going deep into God's word, into his truth this year. We need to be careful not to compromise the truth of God. If we go deep and do this, when storms come, we will stand firm as a church and as a people. We must be founded in God's word and in the truth. Yes? Amen. Built on the solid rock of God. This is God's mandate. This is God's prophetic word to us in 2019. God is calling us to reject smallness, think big. Can you read this with me, everybody? Father, do all that is in your heart. Do all as you wish. We are with you, heart and soul. The next portion of this prophetic scripture. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. Spiritually, elbow room means you make room for others to come in and sit next to you in a church service. You welcome them into coming into your church, no matter how they smell or how they look. I personally want to thank you for encouraging me to come to this church. That's how you make room. One of the words that's come to me for this year is common ground. We're asking all our leaders when we speak from the platform to use common ground. I uh, cracked me up. I, Tony and Sophia were here for three weeks, and Tony came to me and said, okay, what's the deal on Kellogg? You've mentioned it four times in three weeks. How many of you know why I would talk about Kellogg? Raise your hand. How many have no idea why I would mention Kellogg? Raise your hand. And there, how many of you didn't want to vote because you were embarrassed? <laughs> Thank you. And I realized that word had no common ground for our people. It had common ground for the people that were 30 years here or longer. Knew the history of, I got Susie from Kellogg. She's my bride. She was born and raised in Kellogg. Bert got his bride, Pat, from Kellogg. Others have gotten their brides and grooms from Kellogg. We have a sister church thing. Don't get any ideas, young people, about youth camp. It's not a guarantee thing. <laughs> Kellogg's our sister church. But I realized everybody walking through the door knew did not feel there was common ground when I spoke about Kellogg. Now, they would if I'd explained it, just like I did now. But I, a lot of times you don't explain things. You just say. Reminds me of the man that went to prison on a... I, I can't get this joke out of my mouth. i got to tell it. It's not that great, but i got to tell it. It makes a point. He goes to the general population. He's going to be there a long time. He sits down next to this gruff guy, and he's eating his food. He wants to be accepted. He's brand new, never been to prison. It's freaking him out. All of a sudden, a guy over here during lunch yells 45. Everybody bursts into laughter. A few minutes later... 22, burst into laughter. Dinner time, he's sitting there. Five minutes in, a guy yells, 13 people burst into laughter. He finally looks at the guy and goes, what's the deal on these numbers? He says, well, you notice the guys yelling the numbers. They're all lifers. They've been here for so long. We've heard everybody's jokes like 52 times. So we finally just numbered them. And when we yell out a number, we think of the joke and the punchline, and it cracks us up. So the new guy's sitting there going, okay. Now I got it. This is awesome. And I want to be accepted. So he thinks and he thinks. He says, how high do the jokes go? He goes, oh, 252. He goes, okay, great. My favorite number. 
So the next meal, breakfast, he goes, 35. Nothing. He yells it louder. 35. Nothing. It's freaking him out. He looks at the guy. He goes, is that not a funny joke? He, no, some people know how to tell jokes. Others don't. <laughs> I always think of that joke when I think of common ground. When all of a sudden we stand up here and say, Martha's apple pie. And everybody that knows Martha, who is a wife of Everett, who founded our church and made pies for camp, we all laugh. And the new people that are coming in, I realize, no common ground. We might as well have yelled 25. Right? When we speak, when people come in, remember that old people, young people who have grown up here. How can I make them feel comfortable and make elbow room by giving them common ground? Speaking in a language. We've talked about Christianese. We have our own language in Christendom. You know, for the propitiation of sins, there's redemption for all those that are lost and want to go into Beulah land. <laughs> means nothing to somebody that's not church. We're not speaking common ground. Do you know when Jesus was crucified, God put the message on the cross in all three common languages. So everybody understood, behold, king of the Jews. In Greek, in Latin, in Hebrew. It was so overtly in the common man's language, it made common ground so prevalent that the priests went to him and said, take that sign down, because people knew what it meant. God always wants to speak in common language, so there's elbow room in the house for the new people. And I am working so hard on that, and I'm still blowing it. It is very difficult to do. So don't feel bad if you say something. Somebody goes, what are you talking about? I remember when John and Gina Parrott first came to church, I was talking about, man, if I could be perfect in this life, I'd just be Enoch right out of here. How many know the story of Enoch? Raise your hand. So that makes sense. Enoch out of here means you just walk into glory. You don't have to even taste the death. And John came to me after about two months. He says, Pastor, What's being Enoched? And I went, oh. There was no common ground on that term. We run into it all. It's okay. Have grace for yourself. Have grace for others. But just keep in mind that we want the new people to feel there's a place at the table for them with their name at the place setting. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. We need to make room for new people in our lives. We need to make room for new relationships. But we want to warn you, when this happens, you are going to get stretched. New relationships will stretch your nerves. Those in your first year of marriage, amen. <laughs> new relationships will stretch your patience. Those that get twins are born into their house. Patience. New relationships will stretch your character. And most of all, new relationships will stretch your prayer life. I've said to parents, God gives you kids so that you're forced to talk to him more. Yeah? Yeah? Your prayer life goes right out the roof the minute you get that baby. That's intentional. God wants new people to come into this house that will test and stretch us. And cause us to talk to God more and to get close to him. When more and more new people come into our lives, challenges surely arise and our prayer life is enhanced. As we need more and more of God's wisdom, we also begin to cry out to him. People draw you into a more intimate relationship with him. Do you realize that? That the more people that are in your life, it causes you to grow more in your relationship with God. Now you can reject that, but it'll pull you towards that. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said there were two commandments? I understood the first one. There are two commandments that fulfill all the law of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul. And then he says this, the second one is equal to it. Well, how can anything be equal to that? Love your neighbor as yourself. And I all of a sudden this week heard, I mean, oh my goodness. Yes, because when you start loving more and more and more people, it pulls you to love on God more. The more babies you have in your house, the more you're talking to God. 
The more new people that come into your life, the more it stretches you, the more you reach out in frustration or needing patience. If a man says that he loves God, but hates when new people come into the church, that man or woman is a liar. For how can you say you love God and you won't do the equal commandment and love others? For when you begin to love others, it shows how much love you have for God. And even when you don't feel it, because love isn't always a feeling, you're saying, God, I know to love you. What tickles your heart is when I love on these new people. God, that's what delights you. As a youth pastor, I knew one thing. When I loved on the babies, the parents loved me as a youth pastor. Yes? When we love on God's kids, when we love on those kids yet unborn, you are loving literally on God. The Bible says even when you give to the poor, you've given to the Lord. I remember getting ready for one youth camp, and I usually did teenage youth camps, but this one was going to be a two-week camp, and the first week was going to be with... uh, elementary age kids and I was preparing one night in the little Kellogg church that we were in by the way that's next to Coeur Lane, North Idaho anyway I'm in the church praying and something came over me that I'd never felt before it reminded me of the little kid that when a lightning storm came came running into the mom and said mommy I'm scared and she says but God will take care of you and he said yes but I just need a little flesh on something I need to hang on to something. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, you know, I've never asked this, but would you, everything in me just wanted him to manifest himself so I could just bury myself in a hug. I had never physically hugged Jesus, but I found myself yearning spiritually like I'd never yearned for that. I was asking the Lord, and all of a sudden the Lord, see, the Lord prepared me. He said, when you hug those kids this week, you're hugging me. And I remembered taking a bunch of white shirts up there that year, and I had little dusty hands all over my shirt. Little runny nose marks. Little mascara. And that shirt was like a badge of honor for me. Because I realized that week I'd hugged on God. When you love on people, you love God. And sometimes the more unlovely, God recognizes that, and it even loves on him more. Different people groups coming into our church will make us more dependent on God, not less. Give. Come on. Can you finish that? Give. And it. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will it pour into your life? There's nothing like loving on others that pours it back into your life. Some of you are going to be squeezed and you're not going to like what comes out of you. But God says he will actually test us so we can see what's in our heart. He doesn't test us so he can find out what's in our heart. He already knows that. He knows what's in our heart. But it's not until we get squeezed And go, oh, I didn't know I was so easily offended. Oh, I didn't know I was so sensitive. Oh, God, I was a little harsh there. Oh, God, help me to be more patient, merciful, full of grace, full of love. People are good for us. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Then I will teach people your ways, and sinners shall be converted. Lamentations 3.40 said, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord to draw closer to him. This is God's mandate to us this year. This is his prophetic word to us. Everybody, let's read this together. Father, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. We are with you, heart and soul. Bring it home on part four. The scripture says, You're going to take over whole nations. This is the Lord telling us this. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. We need to lengthen our reach. 
I love it when there are new people who come into our church because they move to this area. I thank God for you. We love it when we have a new person because there's a, been a proper church change in your life. Because when that happens, I know God's sending us help. Laborers into his harvest. I feel like he's sending us mature people who can come in, who will want to serve, and who want to minister, and who want to, be blessed, who want to bless others with a real, unselfish servant's heart. That's who God's sending us when we bring in church people, mature people have come into our church. Have you noticed in the last year how this has happened for us? Isn't it awesome? Because many hands make light work. I think the greatest thing in the world when you have 15 kids is to teach the first five how to take care of the rest. Yes? That's how you parents can go out and have a double income. Mom and dad go work, leave the oldest five to, to learn what it's like to have children. They'll never have to worry about premarital sex. It's a neat thing. You don't even have to lecture your kids. Just say, take care of the baby. I, I hope you're laughing. All right. We didn't have kids, so we, we're perfect in parenting. So take my advice here. God's sending us help. And legacy, we need to lengthen that reach. There is an entire nation outside of these four walls, literally. And in a sense, we live in the center of an abandoned city when it comes to the economy of the neighborhood around our church. Now, if you're from around this neighborhood... Only take it personal in that we want to reach everybody in that neighborhood. But when you look at the economics of just where we sit as a church, there's struggle economically right outside our doors. We are next door, by no accident, to the highest um, free and reduced lunch rate school in Meridian Boise. I believe Meridian Elementary. I don't know if I'm right now. That may have changed. But there is some real need in that school. And huh, we are not located by that school just by happenstance. And it is not a coincidence that we are so near to the Boys and Girls Club just down the street a block or so. And it's not a coincidence that we are so close to City Hall. You might find it kind of interesting. Did you know that this church when they purchased the property in 1940, was actually outside the city limits and was a big farm. Now, Bert, do you have any idea how big that farm is? Did it go to Meridian or Cherry Lane? Oh. It, went, it went to Meridian Elementary almost? And, and this direction. What's interesting right now is there are eight lots to the south of us and eight lots to the north of us that we've acquired all but three. We've procured the rights to two this direction and have already bought two more. And one's on the market that has promised us that we can possess. So five of eight of the lots this direction, basically we're rebuying our farm back. <laughs> because it was sold in parcels to build this. And now God's given it back because as many of the board members say, you don't pick the property, the property picks you. You don't want to go in and offer people money and kick them out of their house. If you had enough money to make them happy, that's great, but then you pay way above market value at that point. So God, even this year, has been expanding the physical boundaries of this church. Eight properties that way, five this way with three more to go. Pray for those families. It's always going to be a win-win. Nobody's kicking anybody out on the street with nowhere to go. God would not do that to them, nor allow us to do that to them. Every morning I pray, Father, bless Legacy Church. Bless her indeed. Expand the border of her territories. Let your hand be with us, O Lord. And let no evil befall us, and let us not cause evil. In Jesus' name. How many believe in the last 10 years God's literally answering that prayer? That's a prayer I believe you ought to pray over your own life, your own family, your own business. I believe it's one of the most beautiful prayers. It's the prayer of Jabez in the Bible.
And God has blessed us and blessed us indeed and expanded our territory. But for a purpose, he has children in mind, kids yet to be unborn who will be at praise him. Now we are in the center of this city. A city that is ranked nationally as one of the fastest growing regions in the nation. Do you believe that's a coincidence we're here? We do not want to be a fortress where nothing gets in. We want to be a kingdom force to be reckoned with as we go out. God has made us a city on a hill that cannot be hid. We are not here to avoid the future, to be afraid of the future. But we are here to go out and share God's future and his hope with all the world. With every heart, with every soul. To give them the good news that they don't have to be helpless and hopeless any longer. There is a hope in Jesus. And this house God is making a light on a hill that cannot be hid. He is making every one of you and us as a whole an attractive attraction. I believe God's speaking to us to be a church that's not unattractive. That when people come in, they're attracted to you as individuals. And that's all I get when I talk to new people. You people are so friendly. Yes, you're a light. You're attractive and you're an attraction. God wants that from you and us. And he has made that and deemed that so. I am so excited and proud in the sense of what God is doing in our life. To make us so attractive. It's only, it's like having a 12-year-old girl, man, that you need a shotgun for when she turns 18. She's just going to get prettier and prettier, and you're going to get in more and more trouble. She's only going to get prettier. I feel like God's saying you're only going to get more attractive as the days go on. You're coming into maturity, Legacy Church, in a way that is so beautiful. This is God's mandate to us. This is God's prophetic word to us. God is calling us to reject smallness and to think big. Father, do all that is on your heart. Do as you wish, for we are with you, heart and soul. God wants us to recap, to reject smallness, to think big, to go deep into God's word, to make room for new people, always thinking of common ground. It would be good if you're on vacation. Just go be a new person at a church one time. It's really good for you. I, I can't believe the things I learn when I go to another church and they don't know me. And I learn so much about what it feels like to walk into somewhere for the first time and they have no idea who I am. If they knew, they would give me great honor. <laughs> but that's how people feel who have been churched and have to move here for their job and they were deacons, they were elders and they don't want to brag about themselves but... Do you know who God's bringing us? And even the person without a job or the person that's downcast or the person that's never been a Christian, do you realize when Jesus lights them up the potential that's in their heart and the value they have that God already puts on them before they've even earned it with us? I pray we're like Jesus, that we love them before they first loved us. That we're like a mother that's getting ready to birth a baby and she's already deemed he's the most prettiest thing that's ever been born and she's never seen him. She loves him before she even gets here. For nine months, she broods over loving him. And the minute he arrives, the minute she arrives, it's a face only a mother could love. But don't tell the mother it's not the most beautiful baby. She's predetermined to love this baby who is the most selfish being on the planet and could care less about her. Yes, in a way. What can my mom do for me? They're going to walk through that door in Jesus. And we're going to love him like a mother. We're going to yearn for them. We're going to be pregnant and pray they come. Oh, Father, do as you wish. Do all that's on your heart. This is God's mandate. Lori, go ahead and come up. Here's the kicker. I just read you word for word the prophetic message Susie gave us last year at the first of the year. That's the exact message. How many believe it's still applicable today? We lived that prophecy last year. Almost to a T in so many ways. We've almost doubled over the years in size. We've acquired land. We've built. God's just blessing our socks off. He's loving on you in mighty ways. And I want to let you know, take this message personally into your own life. 
It's not just a collective message. You count in the Lord. He wants to tell you this morning, you have hope. You've got a future. Begin to pray, pray for things and believe for things. Think big, reject smallness for your future, for this year, your promotions, your health, your healing, your life, your social life, everything about you. God's saying, get ready to blow up your life. Believe in me, trust in me, have faith in me. And begin to expand your thinking for your life. God is going to bless you mightily this year. This is a year of hope for you. I had a coach one time tell me that as an assistant coach, one of the most important things you could do to be trained is find the best head coach in the world and tie your life to him or her. And that is true. I've worked under some great coaches, some great mentors in administration and public education, and I tied my wagon to the right people. But I look back and God tied my wagon to the right people. Reminds me of the joke, what did the trailer say to the tractor? Pull me closer, John Deere. (laughs) Hitch your trailer to this wagon. Hitch your trailer to a church of God, a house of God, Father's house. Hitch your wagon to Jesus Christ. Grow deep in his word this year. Hang on to him and tell to him, pull me closer, God dear. Pull me closer, God dear. You will grow in the kingdom when you attach yourself to the things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing things and his righteousness in your life. Not your righteousness, but seek first his kingdom and His righteousness in your life. None of us deserve it. None of us earn it. I'm hanging on to the righteousness of God. And Jesus said, if you seek me first, I will add all things to your life. This is the year 2019. But isn't it awesome that God said this exact word to us last year at the beginning of the year? I believe this could be a manifesto or a credo for Legacy Church. I think every year it wouldn't hurt us to pull this out and say, here's who we are, church. We want to reach the lost. We want elbow room. We want to reach others for Jesus. We want to birth babies, and we're no longer barren in Jesus' name. Oh, would you stand with us? We're going to sing in just a minute, but I want you to know that if you would like to have Jesus Christ in your life and have the hope we've talked about today, have the future that we've talked about today, in front of you there's a card that I would like you to look at and consider filling out. If you give your heart to Jesus, I'd like you to note that down. If you want to join the church or you want information or whatever, I'd like you to fill that card out and give it to a greeter in the back. In just a minute, we're going to allow you that want prayer in your life for whatever it is. We have a prayer team that's in the back corner of the church. As we begin to sing, they're going to go back to that far corner back there. But for those of you that have never given your heart to Jesus, pretty tough to write on a card that you've given your heart if you haven't done it. I would like us all just to bow our heads. We don't ever want to miss a chance for somebody to come to the Savior. Here we talk about it this morning. Now, here's a chance for you to ask God into your heart in a greater way, to pull Him closer into your life, to attach your wagon to Him. This morning, this is your chance to unhook from the disaster of a tractor that you've been following. Maybe that's yourself. Maybe you've been a a trailer without a tractor. But here's your chance to hook yourself to God and what He's doing in your life, for He has your best interests at heart. Right now, would you just pray with me? And everybody, would you just repeat this prayer? Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus into my life. And I want to accept him right now. And I want to have faith in his love for me. And I accept his forgiveness for me. Oh God, help me feel included into the great things of God. Forgive me, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that simple prayer, would you put something on that little card and give it to somebody so we can pray with you and show you the next step in your life? There is a next step. God doesn't keep you in a crib very long. He shows you how to get to that next step in your life. And we'd like to know that was you today. So we're going to sing, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Tony to close this service in prayer. We'll just go to the Lord in prayer and let him just marinate this word over your life. Believe for him. 
for great things in 2019. How many could show with hands you would love a great year in 2019 and you just want to receive it right now? Father, we receive this word into our life in faith believing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Lori. Through the eyes of men, it seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road. Where all the prodigals have walked And one by one the enemy Has whispered lies and led them off the slaves But we know that you are God Yours is the victory we know there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we step into the valley unafraid. We call out to dry bones, come alive, come Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is alive and it's active and it penetrates all of our hearts as long as we're willing to open ourselves up to it. So I pray, God, for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that there would be just an opening of ourselves up to you and what you might have for us today. God, I thank you because your love is not excluded to a specific type of person, but it's for all people. So I pray, God, that those of us that have chosen to walk with you, that we would be carriers of that love, God. I pray that we would be carriers of that love in, in such a great way that this community would be impacted, that our workplaces would be impacted, that our families would be impacted. And I pray for those people that today even decided to attach themselves to that love. I pray that as they accept that love, that they would begin to walk out in that love as well, God. Thank you for every person in this room and thank you for what you're doing in our city. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week. Thank you once again for being here.